Hello and welcome back to In The Clock Ends Pre-Match Pint. We hope you're well. We've got a packed show ahead for you today where we'll be discussing our narrow win over PSV Eindhoven. Also, we'll look ahead to our fixture at the weekend against Southampton. And also there's a cracking player profile in today's show. So hang around to find out who we chat about today. I'll give you a sneak hint. He's a bit of a cup final hero. Uh, so I'll let you mull over that for the next few minutes. But with me to discuss all of this is James. Good evening, James. Good evening, mate. How are you? No complaints. It's another win for the Arsenal. 1-0 to the Arsenal seems to be the theme of the moment, doesn't it? Yeah, very much so. What's that? Three 1-0 wins in a row now. But, you know, it's quite nice. There's been a lot of good Arsenal teams over the years that made the uh, 1-0 to the Arsenal famous. So, and look, a win's a win. A win is a win, absolutely. But it's good good to have you back on the pod. It's been a while, hasn't it? I'm trying to think when you were last on. When 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 were you last on? Uh, I think I was covering your holiday, actually. I think post Man United, maybe. But no, apologies. I've been away in America for a few weeks. So, uh, but I've been keeping up with, with the Arsenal, and it's um good man. Uh, you know, well, it's a good opportunity as well to so thank the um Arsenal supporters clubs in Philadelphia and mm-hmm. New York who uh, both had me to watch the uh, Spurs and Liverpool games and made me feel very welcome. And it's mm. madness how many Arsenal fans there are out there. Like these bars were packed with hundreds, if not thousands of fans all in red and white. So um, no, it was really nice to catch up with some of those boys. And uh, if you ever get the opportunity to go and watch the Arsenal whilst you're over in the States, I would highly recommend getting involved with those guys and girls. Yeah, no, I can imagine. Uh, they're an enthusiastic bunch. But one thing that takes me by surprise there, James, is what? why Why is that taking you by surprise? We are gargantuan. We are the Arsenal. Wherever you go, mate, you're going to find red and white shirts everywhere, right? That's I just... mean, we are massive. We are massive. And it was interesting, actually, you start talking to some of these fans and realising, well, why are they Arsenal fans? What is the connection? And it mm. just comes back so many times to our oh, Thierry Henry, our oh, Robert Perez yeah. and... You know, and I, you know, I can't be surprised that they've fallen in love with the club at that time because I think um, that's what we all remember so fondly. No, absolutely right. I mean, how you come to support a football club, it's, you know, there's many ways you can do it. And for me, old man, didn't have a choice, dragged that watching Arsenal uh, before I even knew what football was, to be perfectly honest with you. But yeah, if, if you're overseas and you don't have like a, you know, a direct connection to a club, then yeah, of course you look, for the style of play, you look for, you know, traditions that you might, you know, and Arsenal were, you know, back then in particular, we're all about the class. It's nice to see us kind of go back to that a little bit. It has to be said, but yeah, we were, you know, phenomenal side to watch. We had some fantastic players who, you know, weren't only just great for us. They were great on the world stage as well, right? World Cups. Um, And that's where a lot of overseas fans will, particularly back then, of course, um, would, would have obviously seen Arsenal players you know represent their countries and they probably went oh you know these like these lads are great I like watching these where do they play their weekly football but look that's enough of talking about how we came to support the Arsenal we're here to talk about football uh the games that we've just been you know we've just had this evening just so you know we're recording pretty much straight after the win against PSV and so this would be a great test for us to see how much of that game actually stuck in our minds. It wasn't one for the memory. Uh, that I think that's safe to say. But, you know, a win's a win. Um, going into it, how were you feeling? Um, were you expecting any sort of chop and change from Arteta from a lineup point of view? Well, I think we were certainly stronger than I expected. I mean, I was very surprised Gabriel Jesus started, for example. I very much mm. thought it was going to be 
um, Eddie up top. And when I see both of them starting, I very much presumes that you'd see Eddie down the centre and then Jesus playing wise. But it became very obvious very quickly that Jesus was occupying that m- middle space and, and Ketia was out wide. And I guess my only initial thought with that was, well, is Artessa maybe looking at options to give Eddie a few more Premier League minutes, you know, and because at the moment he isn't getting those minutes. So, you know, that was the only thought I had there. And um, mm. I don't know if maybe the only other worry I had was just the amount of minutes that Saka's playing and the fact that he did start again. I thought we might see Reese Nelson. I thought we might see mm. Marquinhos. But no, other than that, we had a good amount of rotation. I think what Steve has alluded to over the last few weeks, we haven't got a massive amount of depth so there's mm. always not going to be maybe quite as much rotation as what we wanted but I think Arteta has been quite clear in the fact that he wants to win the group as well so we're always going to go yeah we're always going to go a little bit stronger because PSV were always going to be the the challenge in the group and um mm. so no strong enough I think yeah yeah I mean I was funny enough I mean I wasn't overly surprised for this one of how strong we went the only slight surprise I think I agree with you on was Jesus starting, but at the same time, I've kind of been intrigued to see, you know, him start with catcher in the game. The only other surprise to that was I would expect Jesus probably to to play that wider position like he's done in City over over the last few years and having catcher through the middle. But it seemed to be the other way around. Maybe you know in that early stages, I was expecting to see them maybe a little have a bit more freedom between the two of them to interchange their positions. That didn't seem to happen too much, but. I think it's clear, right? I mean, there's two ways I look at it. You've already mentioned that we, you know, Arteta wants to win the group. We all want to win the group because, you know, we we don't want to land into those those games. I think it when is it in February or March? Can't quite remember off the top of my head where you know there's a an extra knockout round of games. So there's a couple of games that we can avoid, which if we can do with our slightly lighter squad, then happy happy days. That's what we're going to go for. Um, but another thing which I think, you know, look. I'm I'm looking ahead to the future a little bit here, and that's a case of if all goes well, we'll be in the Champions League next year, and we've got to get used to playing some of our strong, you know, basically our strongest eleven twice a week, there or thereabouts, with a couple of changes here and there. So you know, if you can kind of do it in a slightly less intense game, because that definitely felt like that today, anyway. Get these players. I mean, it's funny. You'd love to go to sit down with a player and go right. What would, and I think we'll probably know the answer to this in this case of what would you rather do on a when on a Thursday? I was going to say Wednesday on a Thursday. You want to go training or do you want to play a match later on tonight? I think all of them are going to pick going to play a match, right? Um, I know I certainly would have uh, selected the two, well, uh, the, the latter out of the two when I was playing. That's for sure. But it's it's something we've got to get used to as well as fans, right? We've got to get used to. Uh, you know, our main starting 11 playing twice a week. Um, but yeah, overall, strong, strong lineup. You know, it's clear that Arteta wants to to go and win this group. Um, and look, after this evening, after the win, we're a point away from doing that with two games to go. If we can go and secure it next week, if it is next week, is it next week? Are we playing PSV next week? Yeah, straight away next week. It's um, obviously the game we were playing tonight. It wasn't meant to be tonight, mm. was it? It was all... Um, called off earlier on in the season so um yeah it'll be odds because we've obviously played Bodo Glimp twice in a row we've now played PSV twice in a row which is very unusual in terms mm. of uh European group stages you wouldn't normally get that so uh true but you know I think I saw 
enough of PSV to think that they might give us a little bit more of a challenge at home next week because obviously they're going to be thinking, well, they need to secure second place now. But um, no, tonight it really didn't feel like they were coming into the game to uh, put pressure on us to try and win the game from the off. It very was much like they were going to let us play the game at our tempo. And um, we Mm. did struggle to break them down for long periods of time. I think Enketia and Jesus, it was quite obvious that they hadn't spent a lot of time playing with each other. I thought, you know, first 10, 15 minutes, there was lots of times where they were kind of occupying the same space. I thought there was times where we kind of went a bit old school Arteta, where it was, you know, get it to the flanks and cross it in. Mm. It was, um, yeah, it, we didn't really seem to click in that first half. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I know exactly what you mean. It's funny, you know, some of the notes that I wrote down whilst watching the game, I think it was just a case of we just weren't clicking. Um, there were a few half chances in that first half, right? I think, you know, around the 10-minute mark, and Ketia, you know, miscued um, across from Saka, uh, which then fell to Tierney, and who, who you know, it, it did take a little while to sit down for him, and he, he blazed you know, high, and, high and wide, that's for sure, we, you know, without troubling the keeper whatsoever. Uh, you know... After that 10-minute period, I feel like PSV probably had their, and I say their moment, I mean, it wasn't much of a moment. Um, you know, they came into a little bit, because we, we did dominate the opening exchanges, that's for sure, which you would expect at home um, in this kind of fixture. But after they kind of found their feet, Jesus had a chance as well, didn't he, where kind of dragged it to the to the, to the the left of the post. It, which, yeah, I, I completely see where you're coming from with the, the fact that we ju- it just didn't feel fluid um you know there was a few misplaced passes and it was just a little bit yeah a little bit stop and go wasn't it yeah I don't, but i think if i look at kind of the more encouraging signs of the first half then was um was sambi i think that sambi looks better with jacka alongside him in this game compared to last week mm. i think that I mean, I'm not sure if you noticed, but I saw a few times it looked like kind of Xhaka was kind of coaching Sambi through the game at times. And, you know, mm. he looks maybe a little bit more confident with where he should have been and what he should have been doing. So I thought mm. I thought that was very positive. And, you know, as much as I worried about Saka starting and again, more minutes into his legs, but... Mm if anything was going to happen, it very much did look like he was going to be the spark. He was going to make something happen. And, you know, he mm. did have a few kind of half chances. He managed to take on his man and it just was a little bit of lack of end products really at times. But um, mm. I, sh- I wasn't surprised it was nil nil at half time. Let's put it that way. No, no, I'm not surprised either. And it was, yeah, I think just what came to mind was just a relatively non-eventful first half, wasn't it? A, a, a match had happened in front of my eyes uh, without too much drama or incident to kind of write home about. So, you know, uh, uh, the other thing is that when you're kind of seeing these performances, it's, you know, PS, like you said, PSV didn't come to the Emirates to, to take their game to us. It was a case of let's see how they do. Um, and we'll go from there. Wasn't it? It's like they were finding their feet throughout the game, but at halftime I had no fear that PSV were going to come out and be a different side in the yeah. second half. The only thought I had was we would do that. Yeah, no, I get that. And I'm not, I mean, obviously we both weren't at the game tonight, but through the mm. TV, it 
I kind of got the sense that obviously, I mean, you know, six o'clock is a weird kickoff time, isn't it? No one wants a six o'clock kickoff. I mean, there would have been lots of people trying to get there after work. So it did look like it took a bit of time for the stadium to fill up. It did look like it took a bit of time for atmosphere to build. And mm -hmm. I think maybe that was maybe another reason why we didn't kind of go through the gears in the yeah, first half, you know, it because it the level, the intensity, it did seem to to raise in the second half. And, you know, Artes has been very adamant. He's been very vocal about the fact that the crowd have been such a big difference this year. And, you know, Wednesday night Europa League games, group stage especially, you know, sometimes they are a little bit harder to get up for. And mm. whether that had a little bit of effect or not, I don't know. I mean, when you're in the ground, it might have sounded a lot louder than what we've heard through the TV. But um, no, um, that's maybe me just trying to make excuses as to why maybe the first half didn't quite go as no. we would have wanted. I don't think it's an excuse. I think it's just calling out what it is, right? I mean, I, I've said it many times on the podcast. I think I even moaned about it probably even last week, to be honest with you. And it's just, I, I hate these early kickoffs. Can't stand them. They're just weird. Um, I hated it when, you know, they introduced them for the Champions League, obviously for the Europa League as well now and Conference League as well. I'll throw that in there. It, you've just, yeah, like you said, you've just finished work. Like, Obviously, work from home for me, it's not so hard. I don't have a commute anymore, which is great. But, you know, that's when you're at peak dinner cooking time, right? I don't want to be fucking cooking my dinner and the arsehole's on at the same time. You, you're not as invested in them as you would be if it was on at 8 o'clock. You know, when you've, you've done everything you need to do, you're sat down, you know, I'm, I'm here to watch the football now, leave me alone. Whereas these 6 o'clock ones, let's be honest, half the time I forget they're even on. You need well, <laughs> Mate, we all we all know why it is though. It's it's TV money, isn't of it? You know, if they can put a game on at five forty-five, a game on at it's half seven, a game on at eight forty-five, you know, that's advertising they're selling. That's but it's not thinking about the match going fan. It's not thinking about mm. the atmosphere. But mm. unfortunately, I think we're going to have to get used to it. But it ain't going to change. No, it's really not going to change um, at all. To be perfectly honest with you. Um, it is what it is, isn't it? Football is a product, as much as I hate to say that. Um, and the powers that be are only interested in making that product more sustainable, making them more money to line their own pockets, blah, blah, blah. You bunch of bastards. That's all I'm going to say, to be honest. But going into the second half, I mean, the first 10, 15 minutes, again, I kind of felt like it was a bit of a hangover from the first half because, you know, we weren't clicking again. It was a little bit better, a little bit. But I think... On the hour mark, something changed. Um, you know, I think there was a particular moment that Saka had, he had a good chance that he maybe could have done a little bit better with where he was clean. Well, not clean through, but he was coming through on the angle. Uh, keeper closed him down quite well. And he kind of toe-poked a finish, didn't he, which the keeper saved. Um, did, did you feel like it took a little while again for that second half to get going? Yeah, absolutely. It took a little bit, bit of time to build up again. And I think, yeah, you're spot on with that kind of 60th minute mark. I think around that time, there was also that little mazy run from Jesus where, you know, he's taken Just on after. Mm. a number of players and, yeah, unfortunately with a lot of what he did tonight, a lot of his build up was good. He just couldn't seem to wrap his foot around the ball. Some of the finishes mm. were maybe a little bit tame, but um, mm. for me, I think the absolute key to that second half was when, as much as I've just said, I thought Sambi was better tonight. I think the team changed as soon as Sambi goes off and Partey goes mm -hmm. up, goes on, because I just think he's just so integral to the way we play now. And I, I mean, mm -hmm. look, you love Granite Xhaka, I love Granite Xhaka, we all love Granite Xhaka. Yeah, and I think you know, to be to be fair to us, I think we've been fans of him for 
quite some time now and it's I can't believe I'm saying it and if you, I would have been saying this a few years ago mm. probably people would have been asking me to uh get myself tested but it's um it's mad to think now that he's such a, an attacking kind of fulcrum of our team and you know having party on kind of releases his kind of potential it allows him to drift into these attacking spaces and mm-hmm. you know it doesn't give him the responsibility to kind of sit deep and to marshal play and you know as much as when party came on you didn't really notice party but you mm. just noticed just how much more in control the middle of the park looked and obviously mm. the space that then Xhaka is able to create that's where the goal comes from no absolutely i think that that 10 minute spell from the hour from the hour mark onwards was the best part of the game for us for sure we were definitely piling on some pressure and it's funny because when you said you know you thought Sammy did all right in the first half when he came off the note I wrote next to this was I didn't think it was the best showing from him to be perfectly honest with you just and and it's noticeable right you just said it there when he came off the difference and look I'm not comparing him to Thomas Pye absolutely not you know he's the experience that you need at that level Thomas Pye has played numerous games top flight football in Spain Champions League Arsenal Premier League you, you name it he's done it now right and, and he's showing that he, he can really produce for us on a consistent basis as long as he's not injured. Um, I guess the one yeah. thing you can say about that, mate, sorry to cut across you there, is that, mm. you know, when, how long has it taken for Partey to learn that role? Uh, you know, he came to Arsenal as a really experienced midfielder. You know, he's mm. done it all with Atletico Madrid. And, you know, for the first, I know injuries have maybe been a little bit stop-start in terms of his progress, but mm. it's taken time for him to become kind of uh, the pivotal role he is in the team now and you know Sambi is still a young guy with time I still think he's got the potential to be Thomas Partey's heir apparent as such but um, mm. but uh, I just can't see him potentially getting enough game time moving forward unless we were to maybe send him on loan maybe give him that maybe. opportunity somewhere else yeah I mean Absolutely, we, we could, but then again, it's the the whole we're back to the whole depth thing again, aren't we? Because if, if party gets injured, who do we go to then if Sambi's not there? But yeah, you know, look, I mean, the January think, transfer window, you never know. There might be. I think we're going to need a central midfielder anyway, but mm. um, we'll see what the plans are. Eh? Yeah, no, absolutely, because I think it'd be interesting to see where we are come January. We've all seen what happens when you don't do something in January, right? We've got very recent memories of that. Let's not go into that in too much detail, but. Yeah, I think I just think like, it's not like I'm expecting the world from Sammy Lukonga. I just want to see him trust his ability a little bit more. Because he came with great praise from the likes of Vincent Company, and you know he's he's tight. He's a tidy footballer, but it's just that being able to take risks, right, with the forward pass, um, he's a little bit safety first. Which again, I can understand when you're finding your feet in a particular role, you want to keep the ball moving, whether that's sideways, backwards. You, you know, you don't want to be seen as the player that's giving giving away the ball, giving up possession easily. But there were a couple of times during the game, you know, during the time he's on the pitch, where I just felt like he could have maybe driven on with the ball at his feet or just released it forward a little bit quicker. There was one in particular, I think it was in the first first half or early in the second, where he received the ball to feet. All he had to do was just look up and there was a runner. He did, but then he still turned back and then played the ball back. And I was just like, it's those moments where you're just looking for him to... You know, just just take this, take the game by the scruff of the neck a little bit when he's in possession of the ball. Um, do you think yeah, that? Do, sorry, do you think that's maybe just a lack of game time as well? I mean, I think he's come out mm. in the media or 
whether people around him have come out in the media and saying that he's been particularly frustrated with his lack of game time and he's not been able to put a run of games together. And maybe that's why he's maybe not got that confidence and he's maybe looking a little bit safety first with the idea that, you know, he knows he's going to have a limited number of opportunities and he doesn't want to mm. be remembered for uh, the mistake. So, and whether maybe some of these mm. games are passing him by. But um, no, but, you know, I stick to what I initially said. I, I think he was better than mm. what he played against Bodo. But um, no, you can mm. tell the difference no, as soon as Partey came on. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. He was better than what he was against Bodo Glynn, for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I just want to see a little bit more from him. Um, but yeah, I can understand, like, you know, you need consistency, you need game time. And if you're not getting... And it's funny, because there'll be some people that I'm sure that are sat listening, going, oh, these guys play football every day, they train every day. Yeah, match scenarios are very, very different. Um, it, it's a tricky one. Just the way it's going at the minute, I can just see him just fading off into the background to be honest with you at some point and he'll just be one of those players that we'll look back on in years to come and be like what kind of player was Samuel Conga?" I, I even think if he leaves and you know look snip this up and post it if I'm wrong I, I could only see him at you know mid-table Premier League as it stands if I'm completely honest and, and again I'm not trying to ridicule the guy because there'd be you know look I'd love it mate if he's found his feet and had a run of form you, you know the score um, and we all would, but it's just what I'm seeing and what I've seen so far. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Um, but anyway, that's enough about Sammy Laconga. Um, moving on, obviously, Granite Jacker's goal, right? Well, I'll, I'll just let you talk us through it. I mean, it was a brilliant goal, wasn't it? Yeah, fantastic. Like you say, it's come after a period of sustained pressure. It was a mm. lovely pick out by Tommy. When I first seen it, I think he's not hit it particularly well, but mm. then on the replay, you see that he's actually kind of hit it into the grounds. I mean, fair play to him. He's hit it on his right foot as well, which, you know, that's... Yeah. Granite's very much a left-footed player, and um, he's not really given the, the goalkeeper much chance at all. And um, like mm. I say, he, he is popping up in these attacking areas. And, you know, I think, is that three or four goals so far this season? I mean, he must be yeah. close to his best goal-scoring return already this season, and we're already only just in October, but, um, mm. and just uh, the celebration, you know, every time he seems to score in at the North bank end, which is yeah. a little bit unusual, but no, I'm not sure if his family are up there or anything, but he, he always yeah. seems to kind of stand and just uh, lap up the applause. And every time I see that happen, I just think uh, how far we've come, you know, mm. can you imagine that? You know, I was at that fateful palace game years ago. Mm. And if you would have told me that we'd be talking about, Granite Xhaka like this now then I would never have believed you but no he, he he's dug us out of a hole because as much as we had a period of sustained pressure you know it, it didn't look like the goal was going to come and up step Granite Xhaka yeah didn't he just and just in the build-up as well the little nutmegs from Saka on one of their defenders before he played it to Odegaard really really love that moment love those little you know little moments that you get in games and then yeah the ball out to Tommy from Odegaard it's just his you know, that that guy's radar is just different gravy. It really is. Um, you know, he can turn on a sixpence and then just lay it off with the perfect weight. It's it's fantastic to watch. And it was another game changer when he when he came on, just brings a different element to our game in the final third. Um, but the ball from from Tommy, it it, it was a good pick out, but he, he fucking levered it over, didn't he, to Zaka? So to to connect with it as well as he did, um, on his weaker foot to steer it into the back of net, yeah, I was. Yeah, it's a good finish, really, really good finish. Um, 
And just to your point, yeah, he, he always goes to that corner roughly and looks up to that corner to celebrate because I do believe his family are up there. And I think a lot of our players actually in that North Bank corner, I think that's where a lot of the families and friends seem to, to come and sit and, and watch in the boxes at the Emirates. But ah, look, I mean, it's just a... Uh, we don't need to go into it, but it's a fantastic kind of swan song. It's just, I, I love the redemption of it. And, you know, I've said it a few times how much I appreciate it. And just, you can't have nothing but respect for the bloke and how he's gone about his business. And he's, he's won us all back on his side. I'm sure there's still a few haters out there. There always will be. You're never going to get everybody on board, but it's it's just phenomenal, to be honest with you. And long may it continue because it's just, it's just another layer of the feel-good factor at the Arsenal at the minute. Yep, agrees, agrees. And, um, just going back to a point there, you were talking about how, you know, Erdegaard coming on made a difference mm. as well. That's uh, Fabio Vieira was a little bit disappointed with him tonight Good. as well. I think this was a, a another opportunity for him to potentially show what he's all about. And mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, it's early days. He's young. He's still getting used to this Arsenal team. But I don't know. I just I didn't really feel like we got much from him tonight. You know, I Great. felt like he was kind of reasonably unnoticeable especially in that first half and just as soon as Erdegaard comes on the pitch you just you can't help but notice him he just really makes the team tick and just everything's going through him and so as much as I'm glad we've got Vieira as an option you know I really Mm -hmm. hope that we don't lose Erdegaard for any specific amount of time especially with not having Smith Rowe at the moment as well because Mm. I, I really think that the the caliber of the replacement just doesn't match up to what Erdegaard's doing for us. No, no, absolutely. I mean, that's a, that's a hard level to reach when you look at how good Odegaard has been for the last, well, basically since he signed permanently, I think, you know, we saw flashes in his, in his loan, loan spell. Um, didn't, didn't blow it away, to be honest with you. Um, tiny player. We all saw that, but, but I'm even surprised. I think at the levels that he's reaching, um, you know, the last 12 months, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, how, I think how good's that 30 million deal look now as well? That's an ridiculous. absolute steal, absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, someone at Real Madrid needs uh P45 for letting that deal go through because, yeah, I mean, Jesus Christ, I mean, 30 mil, especially when you know we look at the time in which it was done, you know, the market was pretty rife at that point, and yeah, it's just one of them. But it was, I, I have to agree with you, I was really disappointed, not really disappointed, a bit harsh, but I think, yeah, I expected to see a little bit more from Fabio Vieira, the, you know, it, it's kind of similar with Lukonga, obviously different positions, different, different stages of their Arsenal career. But these are the, these, you know, if you're going to come out and moan that you're not getting game time, right, I get that 100% understand it. And, you know, having that consistency that we just talked about is key. But when you are given an opportunity, take it. You've got to take it. You've got to show that you are willing to give like 100% and more you know, run yourself into the ground. This is what Odegaard does, right? And I think that's what makes him stand out from the rest is he's not only got all the ability, that bloke's work ethic, mate, is fucking ridiculous. Every, I think after every game, who's the one who's ran the most? It's him. Who's the one who's always doing the pressing? Him. His pressing is ridiculous. And I think, you know, Vieira has played in a slightly different position. He was more out left, wasn't he? Um, for this For this one. So maybe he found it a little bit difficult to get involved. But yeah, like you said, he was incredibly unnoticeable in that first half. And I think that, you know, one thing that summed up his performance overall for me was a, I think it was a free kick or something that he was trying to put in from the left. Uh, and it was, it was pretty woeful, just straight into the keeper's hands from a relatively decent position. And 
I wasn't surprised that he was he was taken off. Um, but you know that this just one of them, and he's still he, he's young, um, finding his feet. Um, and it'd be interesting to see with with both of them, uh, Sambi and Vieira, just how Arteta manages their career between now and the end of the season, um, because there are going to be games at home in particular. I feel that we might be able to, you know, rest the likes of Odegaard um, and have him available on the bench like we did today, right? So he can come off and do the job if we need him. Um, yeah, but yeah, both of these players are going to have a role to play. I mean, everyone's been talking about how this October is absolutely manic and that's only going to continue after the World Cup. You know, there are going to be Arsenal players who go to the World Cup and come back injured. You know, fingers crossed that doesn't happen, but it's... I'm touching all the woods. Oh, no, uh, everything's it. crossed. <laughs> but it's just every player in this squad, well, maybe not Cedric, he seems to have walked off the face of the earth. But um, other than Cedric, I feel like every player in this squad is going to have a part to play. So, um, but mm. it's but thankfully, you know, as much as Europa League versus Champions League, we've got the opportunity at the moment to give these guys minutes. Whereas, you know, mm. If we were in the Champions League, probably these guys wouldn't be getting minutes. So, you know, yeah. ultimately, the more minutes we can give them, it's going to be beneficial for them. It hasn't cost us tonight, but I think uh, to put a line under it, it very much is you could notice the immediate quality when some of these more senior, more established players came on. And that's what changed the game. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, it did change the game. And even after the goal, we became more dominant. Um, you know, we're maybe unlucky not to get the second. Uh, I think, you know, Saka had a really good wriggly run, didn't he? Um, where we went through, you know, two, three, four players. Uh, just couldn't quite get the uh, the finish on it that he was looking for. Definitely got fouled during that as well. I think that's what caused him a bit of calf issues. And I'm surprised we left him on uh, as long as we did afterwards, to be honest with you. Um, you know, we need to, as you say, you're worried about how many minutes he's playing. We need to wrap that lad up in cotton wool because... You know, he's, he's definitely found his feet in the season. Um, that's for sure. He's probably one of our most informed players at the minute. Um, yeah, so we we need him and we'll need him uh, at the weekend. That That is undoubtedly yeah, the goals and assists that he brings. Uh, we'll need that um, down at Southampton uh, at the weekend for sure. You know, but other than that, there wasn't too much else to talk about really. You know, PSV had a couple of moments where they... You know, we're trying trying to get back into it. But on that, there were a couple of times where they tried to break on it. So there was one in particular, you know, one one moment in particular where we managed to pick up two bookings in one counter-attack, right? And, and I just, I love seeing that shit. I love it, right? That's something that we just never did for years. You know, in Arsenal teams gone by, you would have seen that counter-attack allowed, just be allowed to happen. Players would have chased him, you know, because they're showing the effort that they're doing. You know, they're putting in the leg. Well, oh, I've chased after him. I tried to get back to him. Fuck that. If you got the opportunity, whip the fucker down. And, you know, Tierney did it. Brilliant. And then just to add a little bit of extras, Odegaard did it as well. And I was just like, lads, that's it. It's tactical fouls. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can see that both players weren't out to hurt the other guy. It very much was a professional foul. I mean, I think from memory, I think Tierney missed the first time. So it goes in a second time on him as well, which is brilliant to yeah. see. But, you know, that's, that's just us learning to be more aware of game state and you, you know mm -hmm. it was very very clear that that was an, an opportunity which PSV could have scored and you, you know we were wise enough and street wise enough to think let's close the situation down you know and uh, fair play to them you know yeah book up a 
pick up a book in. Sorry, ref. Yep. Get on with the game. And like you say, we didn't do that for so many years and it was so mm-hmm. frustrating at times. And, you know, I think we've, I think with Arteta, I think I remember him having an element of that to his game. You know, he was always a bit of a steely player and, you know, he would, he would occasionally, you know, not leave a foot in on someone trying to hurt someone, but he would make these tactical fouls and he, and he would mm. let players know that he was there. And, you know, I think he has brought that to this team and, you know, absolutely what you want to see. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, like you said, manage the game state, manage the situation, take a yellow, take one for the team, as they say, move on. Because I think, you know, all those yellow cards, are they white at the end of the group stage anyway? Oh, not sure, actually. Not sure. Something like that. But, um, Something like that. Yeah. I, I know we've got a few potential Premier League issues coming up and I think there might be a few tactical bookings in the next couple of games depend mm. i think um i think is it saliba and i think jesus are both one booking away from a suspension yep. so um i was having a look at the fixtures the other day i wonder whether we'll see a few um tactical yellow cards i think it was in the chelsea game because then they maybe might miss nottingham forest or i might have that completely wrong but no i do think you know what, well, do you know be great we'll, we'll we'll go for a win at chelsea last minute Gabby Jesus goal, right? Whips the shirt off. Saliba runs, Saliba runs up next to him, whips the shirt off. They're both just, you know, flinging it around their heads and they can take their tactical yellow that way. That would be immense. Immense. Imagine. Imagine if that actually happened. Crikey. Um, I might have to start playing the lottery if that does happen. But look, that's pretty much PSV. Great to get one over the old foe, Rude Van Nistroy as well, may we add. Yeah, I was... Um... I was surprised. Well, I don't know. I didn't hear anything, but I thought we might hear a little bit more from the crowds on the TV coverage of uh, Van Nistelrooy getting some pelters. But I'm sure the uh, the boys and girls sat behind the the benches there probably would have let him know he'd come to the Arsenal. But um, mm. no, always nice to get one over on him. And um, I think uh, I can't remember the exact quote off the top of my head, but did, did you see in his pre-match press conference, he said something along the lines of, well, I made you invincible or, or something like that. So same they, old, they same old Ruben Nistori. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't really give a fuck about Ruben Nistori, to be honest with you. I always love, um, I don't know where I saw this. He had a, he had a really, we- not weird, I guess it's kind of normal, but he had a heavy obsession with Thierry Henry, didn't he? Like their their battle of like trying to get to the golden boot, and he never beat him. I don't think. Um, so yeah, that's funny. Always makes me laugh. But anyway, enough about Rude Van Nistelrooy and PSV. Unless there's anything else you want to talk about that game, I think that's kind of it, really. Yeah, let's put that one to bed. And we did the job. And so I know we're guaranteed to qualify now. Is it? Do we mm-hmm. need? Do we need a point to just guarantee point. top spot? Yeah. Yep. Just a point. That's all we need. I think it'll be a tricky one at PSV next week. So we'll see how it goes. It'll be another strong side, I think, just to get that get that done. Um, but I do think we'll see a very different PSV side at home. Um, that's for sure. So anyway, look, as we do, and what we usually do on the pre-match point, and the whole purpose of a pre-match point is to look ahead to the upcoming game. But obviously with these Europa League fixes, it's proved a little bit tricky, isn't it, James, to, to get everything lined up and out on time. But anyway, this weekend, we've got a trip down to Southampton, uh, which will be a, a tricky game, as it always is down there, because you never know what you're going to get with that lot. Swear to God. But looking back at it, our head-to-head record, we've played Southampton 104 times, winning 53, drawing 28 and losing 23. Um, our current form, we all know ours at this point. It's lost and then four wins on the bounce for us. Southampton after... 
were, were actually in the middle of a pretty poor run of form uh, until they picked up a victory yesterday. They had four losses on the bounce and then obviously picked up their win uh, yesterday evening. So they are currently 14th in the table. As we always do, we look back to how we performed against this team last season. Um, James, I'll let you kick off with the, the home victory. It was 3-0. Talk to us. Yeah, it was um, kind of an uneventful game in some ways, but very eventful and very memorable in other ways. So 3-0 win, the game was pretty much over after the um, mid-20s because um, uh, we scored in the 21st minute, we scored in the 27th minute, and then from there on in, it it, it, it was always going to be an Arsenal win. It was a horrible day, December day, and um, I think Southampton wanted to go home at that point. But no, the most notable aspect of the game that day was um, the goal from Lacazette, which... Um, just in case people can't quite picture it. It was the goal where it looked like Ramsdale was going to get caught in possession and then he's played it out and we've mm. basically gone front to back properly, what some people would say, you know, Arsene Wenger type football. And um, at the end, Lacazette's kind of swept in and finished convincingly. And I'm not sure if it won our goal of the season, but it was very much up there. Definitely up there. I think it was Granit Xhaka's. Thunderfucker oh, against course, yeah. Um, yeah. Manchester United, which uh, which got it. But no, it's definitely in there, and it was a fantastic goal. And it's one of those sort of pieces of play that you know when you you're playing high risk football, I ain't playing out from the bat like that. And I remember the gasps in the cloud and the cloud in the crowd were audible on the TV uh, because it was hairy. But once we broke out of that press, yeah, it was it was a flowing move, and it seems weird to you say that Lacazette you know swept one into the corner and didn't score from a penalty spot or something like that. But it was <laughs> it, it was. was a, I think that was one of the only open play goals he um he scored that year. And that was kind of just after okay. Aubameyang had come out of the team because um we'd just lost to Man United and Everton, you know, that mm. Arteta was really under some pressure at that point. So um it was an important win just to kind of get our season back on track. And um we went on a, a reasonably good run from there on in. Mm. Yeah, we really did. Uh, there were a couple of other goals as well, when Odegaard got a little header. Uh, unusual as well, uh, and Gabriel put put the icing on a three nil three nil win. So not not too bad. Uh, looking to the away fixture, not a lot to say about it. To be honest with you, is in the middle of that terrible three three game run where we couldn't win. It was you know towards the end of last season. Um, I don't remember much of it to be honest with you. I don't oh. really want to remember much of it. I just remember it being an overly frustrating game. I remember. Do you know what? I remember watching Match of the Day highlights more than I remember watching the actual game live with that one. And it was, um, I remember just, you know, Fraser Forster in, in the Southampton goal had a particularly good day. He did mm -hmm. make an awful lot of saves, but no, we huffed and puffed. I mean, interestingly, I, I went back and had a look at some of the match facts from, that's when the match facts, match um, stats from that day. And then um, we had 23 shots on target. They had nine we made 860 um, touches of, of the ball compared to their 395. You know, we mm. absolutely dominated possession. We just couldn't put it mm. in the back of the net, unfortunately. And, um, you know, their goal was a bit scrappy. We didn't uh, reset very well from clearing a corner and they've mm. bung it back in. And I think with Benderek got the finish in the end. But um, no, it was at a time where I think we were running out of ideas a little bit. It looked like we weren't, going to find a win from anywhere at that point like you, like you alluded to we just lost uh, to Crystal Palace we just lost to 
uh, to Brighton. I think it was after an international break as well. And before that, we'd been absolutely flying. So what I'm hoping for with this game, very much similar to what happens against Brentford is that, you know, we owe this lot one, you know, and you can mm-hmm. see going into the Brentford game, we were up for it and we weren't going to let the same thing happen again. So um, mm. I'm hoping we kind of get an in, a similarly inspired performance from that perspective, because, um, yeah, we certainly need to put that performance from last year to bed. Yeah, you know, I, I've said that a few times as well. I think we are a few, few clubs, um, one from from last season. But one, one thing I'd be pretty keen to look, you know, to see, you know, on Sunday against Southampton, it will be a tricky game. You, like I said, you don't really know what you're going to get with them. They're just one of those sides that are not great. I don't think they'll go down, to be perfectly honest with you, because, you know, they'll be able to find results here and there. They'll go on a little run or something. Um, but one thing I want to see from us is, uh, let's be perfectly honest with you, we haven't played very well for the last three games, right? We've won 1-0. We haven't played the the usual kind of dominating, free-flowing football that we've kind of become a little bit accustomed to this season, right? Um, so it'd be interesting to see how we actually go about this game because we, I think we need need to find that little bit of form again, um, a little bit more cutting edge in our performances. And look, to be honest with you, if we don't play that well and end up winning 1-0 again, I'm obviously going to be very happy with that. But it's nice to play good football at the same time, surely, right? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, like, I mean, a win to win, the three points is what we need. And thinking about the performances we've had recently, it makes me think that I think we've maybe dodged a bullet tonight by not having plays Man City this week. I think we've come into a period where, you know, you're not going to play well for the whole season. You're not going to blow mm-hmm. teams away the whole season. You of know? course. Ultimately, if you are going to be champions if you are going to finish in the champions league you know you are going to have to win dirty and that's exactly what we've done recently but Mm. unfortunately if you ask me to predict this game i can very much see it being kind of similar you know like you say Mm. southampton are a weird team they're very hard to predict you know hassan hutu i swear he'll go through a season whereas one minute they'll be asking you know, the fans that we want in the sack. And then the next minute he puts a few games together and then he'll be linked with some of the top clubs in the Premier League. It's, it's, yeah. a, it, he, it, he, he's a bit of an enigma from that perspective. But um, yeah, he's uh, a bit mad. He's a yeah. bit mad. But um, looking ahead to it from a, from a lineup perspective, you, you expect any, anything weird or wonderful? Actually, just, just on the injuries, we obviously we know uh, Smith rose out for, for quite a while, but. What's the story with Zinchenko? Do they do we know how long he's going to be out for? They've been pretty quiet about that, haven't they? I mean, mm. Arteta's always—he gives nothing away, does he? I mean, back in the day, mm-hmm. he used to get the website updates for what was going on, and even when they ask him about it in press conferences now, he still plays games with the media, doesn't he? So, no, I've mm. not heard anything at all about Zinchenko. It has all gone mm. a bit quiet on that front, and we could do with him at the moment, like I say, just because it's. The games are coming thick and fast and we are going to have to rotate. And mm. the interesting thing for me is what he is going to do in those fullback positions coming into the exactly. Southampton game. Because, you know, at the moment, Tommy's looked good wherever he's played and Ben White hasn't put a foot wrong at right back. So for me, really I, think that mean, I think that means that KT steps out again personally. And I think other than that, I would say the rest of the team picks itself as long as everyone's fit. Can't argue with it, yeah. I think that's exactly the only the only positions that are up for debate are yeah, the the fullbacks. Um 
Tommy Hussey's done brilliant, hasn't he? Left back, he, you know, we had some eyebrows raised when we saw him put there, but crikey, when you actually see how he can perform, he's actually, and I don't know whether I noticed this last season or not, probably not, but it, it's become really apparent how comfortable he is on both, with both feet. Yeah, yeah I even noticed it today, like you can, you know, it's his passing with both feet is phenomenal. It's mad, and that he's such an underrated player. Like whenever he gets the ball, I'm, I'm, I never have any stress. And whenever mm. he goes up to win a header, I'm thinking that's Tommy's ball. He's just what a signing he's been. Like I remember when we signed him, he was. I'm not sure if it was deadline day or a couple of days before deadline day, but you always worry a little bit sometimes with those signings where you think, oh, was this planned? Is this a panic buy? Mm. But and you know our our experience of signing players over from uh, Japan, you know, we haven't had that many hits. I mean, what did we have? We had Rio Miyachi at one point, I think was Janichi Inamoto come from over from Japan as well. You know, mm. our, our history of signing Japanese players to this point hasn't, hasn't really gone to plan, but uh, he's he, what a player. Yeah. Fantastic player. The only difference I would probably say with, with Tommy is he came from European football at least. So, you know, there was that step there, I guess. And, also, he came from Italian football, which is historically and probably still to this day very defensive-minded. Um, so he's probably had some, some good education over there. But my God, when we signed him, never heard of him. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I, I I don't sit here and watch. What was that show back on Channel Four back in the day? Oh, uh, yeah, I, I I know what you mean. It's um, uh, yeah, football. It's football Italia, wasn't football it? Italia, was it? yeah, football, football Italia. Italia. <laughs> Golazzo, what a, what a tune, what an intro bit of music that was uh, for a show. Obviously, football for you know for those of you who are young enough to you know not have the memories of there was no football on TV. You know, you just fucking sit there, and you wait to I'd watch fucking go, you know, football Italia just to be able to watch a bit of football. Um, yeah, anyway, look, we, thank God we're way past those days. You can watch football every day of the week now. It's brilliant. Drives my missus out the wall there, I have to say. But never mind. Um, so, yeah, that, that, I mean, from the start line, up, yeah, I think the only ones that we've got to look, look, look at is the, uh, you know, the fullback positions. But one thing we love to do at this point is look back at, you know, some of the, you know, the memorable goals, memorable games. I don't think we've had memorable games Correct me if I'm wrong, unless you've got some out your sleeve. I don't think there's too many memorable games against Southampton, but goals, there's quite a few out there. What's there been is, to mind for you? Yeah, there is quite a few. I mean, I'm probably cheating a little bit because I've got an Arsenal home game versus Southampton. But um, that's I'm cheating. Take, uh, that's che- well, oh, that's cheating. That's all I've got, mate. It's all wow. I've got. It's all I've got tonight. I'm sorry. I should have been more prepared. But um, mm. anyway, I'm, I'm going to take you back to um, May 7th, 2003. Okay. Ringing in, ring in any bells so far? I, I was there, yeah. You were there. Excellent. So it's it's quite unusual to see one hat-trick in a game, but um, in mm-hmm. this game, we actually got two. So it was a, a Robert Pires hat-trick and it was a Jermaine Pennant hat-trick in a wonderful 6-1 win. Mm-hmm. Um, funnily enough, they were... Jermaine Pennant's only three goals for Arsenal and they all for came that, really? in one game. Yeah. No way. Heard that today, which is... a. See this. Mad, this is why I love that you. I love that. This is what I love, James. When you're back, you're back with the stats. You're back with the weird facts that no one else would even fucking dream of thinking up, and you just deliver them. Love it, mate. I wouldn't have known that till today. Let's put it that way. Oh, but, come um, on. But look, the pick of the goals that game was a 
a lovely Bobby, Robby Perez lob from mm. uh, what I was trying to think, work it out, probably maybe 40, 50 yards. It just yes. loops beautifully over the keeper. And I kind of forgotten about it because when you think about great Robert Perez goals, especially kind of lobs over the keeper, you automatically mm. think about that lob over Schmeichel, don't you? And absolutely. I kind of, I almost think this one's better and it doesn't get the same attention as what that goal does I guess maybe just because of the game state I mean looking back you know it was right at the end of the season we'd pretty much given away the title because we we had we'd literally given the title away like a few days before yeah we I think it was draws against Villa and I want to say Bolton which had kind of handed the title to back to Old Trafford but weirdly Mm. enough with it being a bit of a Southampton theme this week we um did win beat Southampton in the FA Cup final in Cardiff that year but that wasn't a particularly memorable game no Perez also scored that as well to be honest he did, he did. A, that was an awful cup final to say the least awful goal as well um, there was absolutely nothing to really write home about that one but I'm, I'm going to bring up a couple of goals soon you're going to be kicking yourself that you don't even remember these one of them in particular I know you're going to be like oh for fuck's sake but let's just think one of the greatest Arsenal players of all time scored his first goal for the club down oh. Southampton. Yeah, there you go. The pennies <laughs> just dropped. It um, wouldn't be um it wouldn't be a certain number 10 by any chance. Oh wow. Oh wow. But you see, you're thinking home games. Think away oh, games. No, I am thinking the home game. Oh geez. Oh, can we edit that bit out? No, that's that's staying in. Yeah, people need to know <laughs> the real James. You know, you'll get praise when when you come with the facts, but when you when you play that badly. You're going to get called out, right? I've just done a Sambi Laconga, haven't I? <laughs> he's tried to play it safe and he's fucked it. But no, it was... Um, Go on, mate, tell us, tell us. Thierry Henry's first ever Arsenal yeah, goal. Yeah, no, I remember uh, now. I was at that one. I love that weight shirt as well, the old the yellow Sega cracking kit. But um, I remember being... I used to love going down to the Dell. It was just one of those weird grounds. We, me and Steve were talking about it recently because I think it was Brentford. And it, I said it to him, you know, even looking at it on TV, I was like, just Brentford's got, you know, the Dell vibes about it. Just it's a bit all over the place. Just like a modern Dell, I think is what we ended up calling it. But that, that Omri goal was absolutely superb, you know, brilliant curled effort into the far corner. But going back even further um, was, I, I remember an Ian Wright hat trick at the Dell uh, where he scored some absolutely brilliant goals there was one volley which he took on first time um, in, in the sunshine and yeah I think even Burkamp's scored scored a fantastic goal down there in a 3-1 win um, probably a couple couple of years before Henry arrived where he you know he dribbled past a couple and just absolutely spanked one um, into the near top corner was that in that kind of yeah that, that was the kind of um what i think i said the other week was people call the weetabix kit kit when it? it was that kind of blue stripe around the middle and yeah he's absolutely hit it as hard mm. as i've seen kind of mm. like a lucas podolsky type thunderbolt into the goal yeah that was um that was a, a lovely finish yeah really really good finish um but yeah i think St Mary's, I don't know. It's, it's obviously modern sort of stadium, in it. It's like a copy and paste. It's like Middlesbrough, kind of feels like that. And um, there's a few, you know, Leicester, pretty much the same, just blue seats in it. Let's be honest, they will feel the same. But there's been some other good goals. And I'm sure there's obviously people at home going, why don't you, why don't you talk about this one? To be honest, you lads, it's because we can't remember. That's why we're getting old, um, and, and our memories are getting shot to pieces. Unfortunately, that's just how life goes. But is there any any other Goals or games which spring to mind? Um, no, not particularly. I think um, 
like I say, I think you've hit home with some really cracking goals there. And um, no, I think, to be honest, I'm just going to be trying to scrape the older memory banks here for probably more time than what we've got to record tonight. So uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So look on that, then let's move on to our final piece um, for today's episode. And that is this week's player profile. Uh, as I alluded to you earlier on, he's a bit of a cut final hero. If you haven't guessed who that man is by now, that man is James. Mr. Aaron Ramsey. Aaron Ramsey. What a player. He was signed for £5 million. That sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? £5 million from Cardiff in 2008. He made 371 appearances for the Arsenal, scoring 65 goals, winning three FA Cups and two Community Shields. What are your memories of Aaron Ramsey? So I lived in Cardiff for a little bit. So I've always had a little soft spot for Aaron Ramsey because of obviously his Cardiff and his Welsh connection. And mm. um, it was really quite an interesting signing at the time because Man United were in for him as well. And Arsene Wenger managed to convince him, no, you're going to get your chance at Arsenal. We've got a tradition here of playing young players and he became part of that young British core. Can you remember that when Arsenal made a big song and dance and they got all, you know, they got, was it Kieran Gibbs, Jack Wilshere, mm-hmm. Phil Walcott, Ramsey, Ox. Jenkinson, Ox, all signed this contract on the same day. They're all right. sitting down together and, you know, very much the same as what we're doing now. You know, we were thinking, right, we're going to go young. We're going to get this new generation of talent and that's how we're going to rebuild. And, just to go across, if we can replicate that photo with three individual players, none British. Actually, is there any British? One of them's British, is he? Yeah, Saka. Saka, Martinelli, Saliba. Oh, get them all to sign on one day and boss that photo onto Instagram and just watch that explode. Anyway, sorry, I've definitely just cut across you there, but I can't get that picture out of my head now. I just think that would be oh, a joyful, joyful. Oh. Maybe it's already done. Who knows? Who knows? Oh. Maybe we're just waiting for the right moment to put it out but no he he was a fantastic player he was your kind of epitome of a, a proper box-to-box midfielder and I think mm. probably his his key skill he just he just had a knack of being able to arrive late in the box and mm. just latch on and and score goals you know and like you alluded to right at the beginning you know he has scored some properly important goals to the club you know and this mm. was at a time where you know, he came into the club where we hadn't been particularly successful for a number of years. So these these goals, you know, in my Arsenal memories are, are quite iconic because it mm. has helped rebuild to kind of where we're at now. And, you know, that FA Cup final goal that he gets against Hull and that kind of Charlie George-esque celebration afterwards, you know, that's a mm. man who understands Arsenal and that's a man who obviously knows his history because you don't do that not knowing the significance Mm. of that celebration. So I remember just loving him even more after seeing that. Mm. No, absolutely. Those cut final winning goals, obviously the one against Hull was... Actually, I'll just throw it over to you as I sit here and ponder this because I can't quite think. Which one was better for you? The one against Hull or the one against Chelsea? I mean, they were quite similar goals in terms of you know, him arriving late into the box. But for me, it was that whole game, just, you know, I Same. think 10 minutes, we're 2-0 down. I think we've blown it again. You know, mm. I thought this is another Birmingham City all over again, and you know. But worse. But worse, yeah, but worse. And I was convinced we weren't coming back from it. And, mm. 
you know, I think it was an extra time as well. I think he got that goal. Yeah. And just, oh, you know, we will celebrate every Arsenal goal, but that one really did mean a little bit more. It really did mean a little bit more. And um, just what it meant to him and the scenes that day, unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. I'd have to definitely go with you. Look, scoring a cup final winner against Chelsea is always brilliant. But it was just, I think there was more context behind the, you know, we we hadn't won a trophy for years. The pressure was mounting. Obviously, we lost to fucking Birmingham in the League Cup. And like you said, that that day in particular, and that match was one of the most. It was an emotional roller coaster, mate. Wasn't it? Uh, it was probably one of the most roller coaster emotional games I've ever watched from an Arsenal perspective, um, just because what it meant. But yeah, to to get two cup final winners for the club, it always it, it does go down as a legend for me. I don't know right. that might. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. So this is what I was thinking about today when we thought, mm. right, let's talk about Aaron Ramsey today. So I think from the Emirates era, I think it is quite difficult to think, right, who is an Arsenal legend? And obviously mm. at, at the moment, they're redoing the um, the artwork that kind of runs around the edge of the stadium. And people have talked about, you know, who would you add to that from the kind of, kind of the last generation of Arsenal stars? And for me, he is an Arsenal legend. Just, you mm. know, two FA Cup, winning final goals but mm. also it wasn't just about that he you know he played for Arsenal for a long time and it's mm. just it's just unfortunate you know it was it was just injury and I think we've talked about this with a number of players that we've done player profiles on you know mm. his career hasn't quite mimicked Jack Wilshere's but you know as soon as he broke his ankle against Stoke in you, you, you know he was always facing an uphill battle but Thankfully, he ha- he he did have his moments, and he oh, has... he definitely did, yeah. he definitely did. I mean, look, anybody who suffers, maybe not so much today, because you know, again, it's not not that long ago that he did it, but kind of is actually. I don't even want to think, but um, you know, medical science, as you well know, has come on leaps and bounds. Um, but he always suffered any with muscular injuries after that, and I definitely think it hindered his career. It definitely would have had a knock on effect to your confidence naturally. It just would, but. You know the man. You know the fact that he managed to come back from that um, and go on to score two cut win. You know, cut final winning goals is fantastic. There were many other great goals as well, though, right? Like I've watched his goals, all of his Arsenal goals today. One of my favourite Arsenal goals of all time was scored by that lad in the most pointless game. Well, not the most pointless game. I think it was a Champions League game, but the left-footed thunderfucker against Galatasaray, off balance. On the first time, it's unfucking believable. If you've never seen this goal, please just do me the favor of going on to going on the YouTube and just popping in Ramsey's goal versus Galatas, right? And just sit back and enjoy it. It's one of those goals, isn't it? You think that's a, a well for any of us, that's a one in a million goal, but it, it just the way he hits that ball, you know, you don't see many goals like that, and mm. he. He did have the capability of doing that, but as much as he had the capability of doing that, he was he had the tricks and flicks, he had the flair as well. Mm. You know, he was a he probably wasn't your traditional kind of British uh, player at that time, as such. I think mm. he was probably part of this new generation of maybe more skillful British mm. players, you know, and I think. Uh, an, a goal that springs to mind for me, I think we've spoken about it on the podcast before, is um the goal he finished off against Fulham when we're mm-hmm. properly, um, uh, you know, first touch passes from Bellerin and from Ramsey. And they, 
it's at one point it looks like they're playing keepy ups and then he finishes it off down the other end in you know and with a flick with a flick exactly yeah i think he kind of flicks it behind him doesn't he from memory and um mm. so yeah he has the capability of that type of finish as well and i was gutted when he left and kind of the circumstances so was, so was he left well yeah he was yeah and i think you know he went to juventus you know he was on a, an awful lot of money reportedly but well, fair play we'd all do it but he never it's never really seems click for him since he left arsenal unfortunately no. No, um, I think, you know, that was always going to be the case. Um, you know, if you didn't, the move that he made from Arsenal, that that was it. That that was the move that had to work. And unfortunately, it didn't quite go to plan um, from a footballing perspective, from a monetary. It definitely did. And like you said, don't blame him one minute for doing it. A couple of other goals that spring to mind, though, speaking of flicks, was away at White Hart Lane. He managed to do another flick kind of finish. Really unusual finish. Great goal. But also, there's a couple of goals that he scored against Norwich, both home and away in the same. It was that one season. Do you remember? He had that one season where he just went. I think it was that the the year we won the cup against Hull. That season, that bloke was just untouchable. Um, to be perfectly honest, he was banging in goals. But there was one goal he scored at the Emirates where he just danced through the Norwich City defence, sat down two defenders, sat the keeper down, and then just slotted it. Brilliant. Um, but then the, the same season in the, in the reverse fixture. He's hit a fantastic volley first time from kind of, you know, nine, nine, ten yards out, let's say, something like that, on the angle into the literally right in the stanchion, as they say. That's another one for you, um, James. If you, if you don't get that reference, I'd be very disappointed. <laughs> I've got that one, mate. It's just tweaked. Yeah, it's just tweaked. Yeah, just tweaked. So obviously, I know, just, just for record, obviously, uh, James is getting married next year. As you can tell, he's a, an English man that lived in Wales for a bit, uh, which has, if you don't remember, the, the wonderful show, Gavin and Stacey. So there's a lot of references that fly around between us on that one. But yeah, he's absolutely popped one into the stanchion. What a finish. Do you remember that goal? Yeah, absolutely cracking goal. It's, it's funny, we do love a goal against Norwich, don't we? Like, you know, we've had, we've, I think, you know, there's that Jack Wilshere goal, which flies around every so often as well, you know. Blew so, around recently, uh, did it not? Yeah. I think that was literally at its anniversary yesterday or the day before. Yeah, it's just, you know, so um, cheers, Norwich. Thanks for that. Cheers, Norwich. Come back up just for, for one season, because I know you've got to go back down straight away because that's what you do. <laughs> <but> <laughs> no, they are very much the modern day West Brom yo-yo team. But anyway, we'll see how that goes. But... Look, I think, James, it's probably a good time to, to wrap it up there. I'm sure the listeners are bored of us waffling on about Aaron Ramsey. But as always, we'd just like to thank you for taking the time to tune in and listen to the podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you do enjoy the show, please do leave us a review on Apple and Spotify and drop that five-star review. We'd greatly appreciate it. Also, share it on the socials with all your Arsenal mates. James, look, thanks for coming back on the podcast with us this evening. Uh, for those who are interested, you can follow James on Instagram. You'll find him at this is Arsenal underscore and keep an eye on our social media feeds for the next podcast which should be after the magical win against Southampton until then look after yourselves look after each other catch you in the next one bye-bye